Welcome to today's St. Paul's Church of the Voyager podcast. I'm Pastor Rob Fiesler, and I am glad that you are listening today. I'll tell you this little story. I wasn't planning on it. This is eating up into my minutes, but uh, when PowerPoint first came out uh, a while back, or maybe not first came out, but I was going to be speaking at a conference, and the person that kind of was running the tech had called our home to find out whether or not I would have a PowerPoint presentation to go along with my, uh, my uh, you know, presentation. My daughter, uh, who was a college student at the time, happened to be at home, and she answered the phone. And uh, so this woman on the other end asked, uh, do you know if your dad plans to uh, employ PowerPoint? And I don't know, it's like a stroke of genius from my daughter, Sonia Kim, who said immediately, my dad is a lot less PowerPoint and a whole lot more grunt and point. And uh, that's a true story. I was so impressed. When she told me, I said, I resemble that remark. And uh, that was that. So I guess you won't have, well, Jesus didn't have PowerPoint either. So. Um, here we go, uh, picking up on the reading from uh, the Gospel of Matthew where Todd left off. Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables. Without a parable, he told them nothing. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth to speak in parables. I will proclaim what has been hidden since the foundation, and I want to go on to say like of the world or something, but apparently in the Greek it just ends right there. I will proclaim what has been hidden since the foundation. Keep that in mind, will you? Um, so here, as Matthew presents Jesus speaking in parables, he ties it to some kind of proclamation of what has been hidden up to that point, okay? Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, uh, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Jesus answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I see now why Rob wanted me to preach on this text. <laughs> then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father, let anyone with ears listen, or in the good old King James, what is the good old King James here? Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Oh God, we pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would open our ears and help us to hear as you speak to us through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. And all of God's people shall say, Amen. Amen. Well, I love to come to St. Paul's. Uh, I love to be with you. Love, I, I love the choir. Love the music today. It was worth coming to church for already. Really? You know? 
Um, I'm just, I feel blessed and um, grateful to Pastor Rob for this opportunity. You know, as a professor of theology, uh, my main vocational uh, exercise is teaching and grading. Um, and uh, one of my students went off to go teach the little ones there. I have Mara this uh, semester in a class, so this is a real blessing for me to have her. And um, so on the other hand, I uh, really love to preach as well. I don't know if I'm a good one at it, but I love to do it. And it's another way to exercise uh, the calling of God upon my life. I got to tell you, though, I almost, almost never, ever try to preach on Jesus' parables. Almost never, ever. And I, say, I have to say almost because the one that I really do like to preach on and feels kind of preachable is the parable of the Good Samaritan, which was not in our reading today, as you might have noticed. Uh, but I do love that one. And in fact, I'm going to talk about it for just a second since I do love it so much. But it's one of these great classic examples of Jesus as a storyteller who is posed with what is clearly a, a great ethical question. Who is my neighbor? I mean, it just likes you want to hear a big, long lecture on it. You know, what the concept of neighbor, what does neighbor mean? It, do you know where to draw the line between neighbor and non-neighbor, etc.? So it could have been this big lecture, but instead, Jesus told a story. And one that we all know, I'm not going to preach about it today. I'm just, you know, wanting to share this little bit. And I know you've heard this before, but it's so cool. Jesus tells that story, and at the end, he poses a question back. Where the original question was, who is my neighbor? Jesus took the question, turned it inside out, lit a stick of dynamite to it, and blew it up. And asked in return, who proved to be the neighbor, oh my goodness, who proved to be the neighbor to the person who is in need. Now, if I was going to preach on that, I'd go on and talk about it more, but that's part of the problem with preaching on parables. The whole point of a parable is, like, when you begin to try to explain it, you're halfway to killing it already. You know what I mean? Dissecting a parable of Jesus is like trying to comprehend the beauty of a butterfly by pulling off its wings and putting them under a microscope. It's just like, why even try that? In the words of a great Catholic biblical scholar, John Dominic Crossan, one wonders what the maker of the parables must think about the maker of comments on the parables or whole commentaries on the parables, or even just sermons on the parables. Pastor Rob didn't know I was going to just spend all my whole time complaining about preaching about parables. <laughs> so why parables? Well, we like stories. You know, and the parable of the Good Samaritan is a great example of a story. But a lot of the parables aren't stories. So that isn't necessarily going to work all the time, but there is something beautiful about a story, and I know that you're, you're kind of working through a narrative approach to the Bible, which I love very much, because stories always invite us in 
to kind of inhabit the stories, to find ourselves somehow in that story, so that Jesus could, at the end of the parable of the Good Samaritan, ask, so uh, which of these people proved to be the neighbor? And when uh, the Jewish theologian said, well, the guy that showed mercy, Jesus then could say, well, you go and do likewise. See how you, the listener, have been drawn into the story and are to find yourself in that story. That is one of the beautiful things about parables. No question. No question. And Jesus' parables aren't necessarily intended to do the kind of work that I think sometimes we expect them to do. And I'm going to try to illustrate it this way. You know, Jesus did tell parables, so did rabbis. This, Jesus didn't invent the parable form. It was already in existence and it continued after his time. But in fact, we find all kinds of religious traditions employ parables and stories and riddles and so on. Uh, right now, I'm in the middle of uh, uh, the semester in a course on uh, the world's faith traditions. That's one of the things I get to teach at Point Loma. And I thought, you know, uh, right now we're in Buddhism. You know, I'm not going to go too far off into Buddhism. I don't want to make anybody terribly nervous. But uh, the Zen tradition in Buddhism has a great, great um, knack for stories. And I think I'm going to tell you three of my favorite just to illustrate like kind of the notion of the parable that I want to explore with you this morning. And that is, with each of these stories, if somebody goes, could you talk about that a little bit more? You're just going to kind of ruin it. You know what I'm saying? It's just there, and you let it hit you. If you go into a lot of exposition, ah. So, three stories. Let me find them here. Oh, here we go. I do. This one I've actually preached in church before or used in a sermon. Um, Tanzan and uh, Haikido are two Buddhist monks walking on a very muddy road and the rain is still falling down very heavily. So it's mucky and muddy everywhere. They come upon a lovely young woman in a silk kimono who's encountering this huge puddle, uh, maybe even it's become a stream of muddy water, and she doesn't know how to cross. She's stuck there. Come on, girl, said the older monk, Tanzan. Lifting her on his arms, he carried her over the mud and the stream. Aikido did not speak again, the other monk, until later that night when they reached their monastery destination. Then he could no longer hold in his dismay and disapproval. We monks do not go near females, especially young and beautiful ones. It is dangerous. Why did you do that? And Tanzan replied, I left that girl way back there. Have you still been carrying her? <laughs> exactly. I love this one too. One day, a young Buddhist monk stood on the bank of a wide river, wishing very much to cross to the other side. After a long while, he spotted a great teacher over on the other side. The young monk called out, Oh, wise one, can you tell me how to get to the other side of this great river? The teacher pondered this request for a moment, scanning up and down the river, and then yelled back, My son, you are on the other side. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> One more. Oh. A teacher gave his student this assignment. 
You know the sound of two hands clapping. You've all heard this a little bit. Now tell me the sound of one hand. The student remained for three years with the teacher but could not pass the test of the one hand clapping. Finally, he came to his teacher in tears and said, I must return to my home in shame for I cannot solve this problem. Well, wait one more week and meditate constantly, advised his teacher. Still, no enlightenment came to the student. Try for another week, his teacher said. The student complied, but still nothing happened. Go another week. This also was to no avail, and in despair the student begged to be released, but the teacher insisted on another five's worth of meditation on the problem of the one hand. No results. Finally, the teacher said, meditate for three days more, and then if you fail to attain enlightenment, you just better go ahead and kill yourself. <laughs> and on the second day, the student was enlightened. <laughs> It's the only time in church when I've ever quoted anybody saying you should go kill yourself. So let's not take that literally or take it home with us, shall we? Well, you see in every case, I almost don't want to say anything more about it, but like if you went on to say, and this is what this means, doggone, you've, you've messed it up. And yet we find that uh, Jesus' disciples did approach Jesus saying, hey, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Now, I, don't, I can't tell you I can read Jesus' mind there, but I think somehow inside he might have gone like, oh, <laughs> why do you need me to explain this to you? But he did. And you know, in the Gospels themselves, we get a little bit of, I would say, some tension about you know, what's going on with these parables of Jesus. So like I, I read from Matthew, and that's part of our reading this morning, and so again, I want to come back to this, that Matthew says Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables, and without a parable, he didn't tell the crowds anything. Now we might even think about, you know, well, there's a lot of other teaching of Jesus that isn't in parables. So maybe Matthew's being a little hyperbolic here. Without a parable, he told them nothing. But he goes on to say, this was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth to speak in parables. I will proclaim what has been hidden since the foundation. So you get the idea here, don't you, that the parables are meant to open up something that had been hidden. To invite the hearers to new dimensions of understanding about God and about creation, about themselves. Things hidden since the foundation. But... In the Gospel of Mark, it's a little different. So now, hear from the Gospel of Mark. He did not speak to them without a parable. So that's very similar. But privately to his uh, disciples, he explained everything. And when he was alone, those who were with him asked him about the parables. Those would be his disciples. And Jesus replied, To you has been given... The secret of the kingdom, or the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for those on the outside, everything's in parables. So now it sounds like I'm going to explain them to you, but those people out there, they're not going to get it. All they got was these nifty little stories. Hmm. That they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. That's the Gospel of Mark. Matthew does not take that approach. But Mark says, 
hey, the explanation is given to those who are insiders, while the outsiders kind of bumble about with the mysteries of these stories. Now, it is true that Mark is quoting from the prophet Isaiah with the whole thing about hearing they will not understand, uh, seeing they will not uh, perceive, lest they should turn and be forgiven. But it's hard for us to kind of get our heads, I hope, around the idea that Jesus would do anything that would prevent people from hearing and being forgiven. So we have this tension even between, I will say, Matthew and Mark. It comes out in other places in that gospel. I do not have time to, to illustrate this, but trust me, there's a tension there. And within the Wesleyan and Methodist tradition, we veer toward the idea that Jesus is extending an invitation to all. Uh, we read it, we sang that beautiful hymn that I grew up singing a lot, wonderful words of life, words that are meant to woo us and to invite us, not to create a barrier, but to open up a possibility, new possibilities for hearing from God and responding to God. So I think it's even maybe in between Matthew and Mark that we kind of get at what I'm trying to suggest to you. The parables are not heavy-handed lessons. They're, they're like these little word snap pictures that are given to people to hear, to wrestle with, to ask questions about, to wonder, to take other teachings of Jesus, to ask, to seek, and to knock. For in asking, you will be answered and seeking, you will find. If you knock, the door will be opened. The parables are like that, where we are invited into this story or this little picture, uh, invited to imagine new things, to imagine God and God's reign in the world and God's grace toward you and me and to all in new ways. Not to clamp down on your thinking, but to actually open it up. Boy, I love that notion of a parable. I could be wrong. You can find other people that will give you a different interpretation. And that's kind of the point. Okay. But I suspect that most of you would find it inviting to think of these parables as Jesus' invitation for you to reflect, to wonder, to ask, where do I fit? Do I fit in here someplace? So the, just the one I'm going to focus on, I think, is one of the ones that uh, uh, Todd read. Jesus told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. See, now, like, again, if I go on to try to expound on that, it's going to mess it up. Just work with it. Let the yeast get into you and begin to leaven in you. I will say this, I love that Jesus did tell parables that involved women. You know, there's the woman who found the lost coin. How can we have churches of the good shepherd but no, the church of the woman who needed the yeast into the leaven, or the leaven into the yeast, whatever, you know, I, I don't even know how to do it. My wife's actually doing it right now and it sounds like it's a very difficult process, that whole thing. But you know what's happening in these parables, if I dare say anything, is they're not simply about growth, although they do have the image of growth, but it's really more about surprise. Teeny tiny mustard seed, 
Big old bush. Birds can come and land in there and even build nests. How'd that happen? Oh my goodness. The mystery of God's work in the world. An unexpected gift. So the kingdom of God, well, it's like a valuable pearl. It's like a hidden treasure. The kingdom of God is like a woman working yeast into the dough. It's like a tiny mustard blossoming into a big bush. It's like finding a hidden treasure. It's like a woman discovering a lost coin. It's like a shepherd bringing or braving the elements to track down one lost sheep. It's like taking a child by the hand and giving a cup of cold water to someone. The kingdom of God is like these things. It's mysterious and it's surprising in its outcomes. Finally, I think these parables simply invite us to ask, where, where is the presence and activity of God right now here among us? It's everywhere. It's all around you. It's in the most surprising, unexpected, and subtle of ways. So keep your eyes open. Whoever has ears to hear, Listen up. Amen.